All right, we're going to talk about moms this morning, and uh, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know already, probably. We're just going to look again at moms, because sometimes it's good to look at moms, and good to look at dads, but it's Mom's Day today, according to the Hallmark Company, or whatever, (laughs) whoever is shoving this down our throats. It's Mom's Day today, so we're going to look at moms this morning. I want to share with you uh, something that uh, a class teacher went through during a Mother's Day experiment here, she's an elementary t- school teacher, and she's asking the, te- the kids some questions about their moms. The first question she asks is, what are some ingredients that mothers are made of? One of the kids says, God makes mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. <laughs> Got to have a balance. There you go. That's right. Got to have a little mean, right? Jeffrey said, what are some ingredients that mothers are made of? They had to get their start from men's bones. Then they mostly use string and duct tape, I think. (laughs) So the teacher asked another question. She says, what kind of little girl was your mom? Luke said, my mom has always been my mom and none of that other stuff. Sarah said, I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess would be pretty bossy. (laughs) Greg said... They say she used to be nice. (laughs) Children are are honest sometimes, too. Last question, because she's not getting the results she wanted. She says, why do you love your mom? Aiden said, I love my mom because she let me get a dog. And then she let me sleep with it. I hope she lives forever. Brianna says, my mama is the best mama in the world. She lets me share chocolates in her lamp table drawer. She reads to me, and we sit on the porch swing together. Ethan says, I love my mom because she lets me read my book under the covers with a flashlight and gives me lots of chances to pick up my toys. Jonathan said, my mom, nice, beautiful, and pretty as a butterfly. That's my mom. Clever as a whale. Warm as, fuzzy, warm as a fuzzy bear, that's my mom. Soft as a pillow, she laughs like an angel, that's my mom. Caring, cool, and clever, she's the best, that's my mom. That's their mom. What was your mom like? Was she clever as a whale? Whale might not be a good plane to uh, describe moms, especially if uh, husbands put that in their Mother's Day card. Clever as a whale. No, a little kid might be able to get away with that, but I can't get away with that, nor would I want to, but I don't know what you're thinking. What was your mom like? Was she kind? Did she, like these guys here with those goggles, see the best in you when you didn't even see the best in yourself? Compassionate. Compassionate, okay. She's kind of like God in that way. God sees the best in us when we don't see it ourselves. Parents should be like that, too. Parents are not always like that. So I need to always try to do a little disclaimer before Mother's Day's or Father's Day sermons because a lot of mothers didn't have good mothers. A lot of kids didn't have good mothers. A lot of women aren't mothers. And none of this is meant to say the only way you're fulfilling your, your, your godly duty is to be a mother. That's not what I'm, I'm saying at all. You can... Fulfill your godly duty without ever being a mom. You can be a single woman your whole life, never get married, and still fulfill your godly duty and do what God wants you to. 
So I, I don't want to shame any women here or shame anybody here that, that has had a mom that's been anything but what she should be. And for those moms that are struggling to be what they should be, I think we're all in this boat together. Fathers are struggling to be what they should be. We all struggle to be what we should be. So this morning we're going to look at what a mother is in the Bible. Just a couple things. And a couple things that God gives mothers, I think. He gives them privileges. He gives them influence in our lives. I know my mother has influenced my life. And it's been a privilege to be her son. It's a privilege to call her my mom. There's a couple examples in the Bible. You guys remember Jochebed in Exodus 2? What did she do for her son at the very beginning of the story there? She had him. Okay, yeah, she had him. Okay, past that. Past that. Yes, that was dangerous at the time, even having children at the time, yes. Okay, so what happens right after that? What's supposed to happen to these guys, these little kids? Killed. And what does she do? She hides him. Protects him. Protects her son. What mother shouldn't protect her? I mean, every mother should do that. Father should do that. That, that should be a motherly instinct. I'm going to protect my son. They're not going to kill him, even if it comes down to me. You're going to have to take me out first to kill my son. First Kings chapter 3, 16 through 17. These two women, they have children. And one woman is saying... You let her have him because I don't want to lose him forever. I don't want to divide him in two. You let her have him. A mother will, will selfish, selflessly give herself up for her son, for her children, son or daughter. And then the mother of James and John. Now, this one kind of is a little misguided, I think. She wanted him, them to sit on the right and the left hand, you know. A little misguided in what she wanted. But you see a mother who wants something for her sons. Who wants the best, maybe, yeah, like the best. I, I, this looks like the best for my sons. I want that. And it may not be the best for them, but that's what I'm wanting. The idea that the mothers want the best for their sons, that is definitely what a mother is. So let's look at the mother's influence. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I think there's very little in this world that compares to parental influence and motherly influence, especially can have all sorts of influences out in the world, but mothers have a special influence in their children's lives. What do they say about the hand that rocks the cradle? Rules the world. 1 Corinthians 11, 11 through 12. He's talking about man not being independent of, of neither is woman independent of man there or man independent of woman. We have this interdependency going on because we are all under God. And verse 12 says, For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman. All things originate from God. Womanhood, motherhood has its influence. Would you say you've been influenced by your mom? Amen. Can you point out things in your life where you, you, you see her influence? Maybe even hear her voice. Don't do that or think about that again or... Whatever is running through your head, that, that, that influence from mom, this hand that has rocked your cradle, can help rule your world, can help dictate your life, can influence you. Good looks. Good looks? Is that what you're saying? 
good looks. <laughs> okay. All right, Carl. Once again, you're way off topic, but good. <laughs> good looks, huh? Okay. Are you saying you got the good looks or J.H. got the Because I think J.H. got the good looks out of the two. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. But we are influenced by our moms, aren't we? In all sorts of ways. All sorts of ways. You can, I, can, I can see it in my life. I sometimes say things my mom said to me as a child. And I say those to my kids. I remember the first couple of times when that came out of my mouth and recognizing where it came from, thinking, oh, yeah, mom used to say that to me. I never thought I'd be saying that to my kids, but now I'm saying it to you. It's kind of creepy, kind of weird. But that influence, it's, it's there. It's, it's how they've raised me. It's, it's how they've brought me up. Go over to Titus chapter 2 and look at the influence again of women, of moms. Titus chapter 2. Verses 3 through 5. Here Paul is saying, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. That they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, and be kind, subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. Now, women can be successful businesswomen all over the place and, and do all sorts of things. But notice what Paul is saying here is you don't have to be this or that to be an influence in your child's life, in your husband's life. You don't have to be that. You don't have to be this, this powerful woman in industry. What do you have to be? What are some of the things that the mother, the wife, the woman is being taught here to be by older women? Examples, sensible, Right? Pure, workers at home, subject to their own husbands, kind, kindness, loving their husbands, loving their children. These are the things that make that, that, that motherly influence, that, that motherly influence that influences kids to a life of faith, like we're going to see in Timothy. He's not telling women you have to be a socialite, you have to be this or that. It's the same for men. We don't have to be successful in, in, in business or anywhere else in our lives to be successful husbands or parents. We have to be this, sensible, pure. We have to love our wives. Wives have to love their husbands. And we all need to love our children. And that's so that the word of God is what? Not dishonored. It just reminds us again, like, like we've said before in the, the fruit of the spirit and every other, other thing, it all goes back to honoring God. Everything we do goes back to honoring God. Everything we are goes back to Him. So even marriage, even raising children, even being a mother goes back to honoring God. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Here Peter again is, is talking to women too here. 1 Peter chapter 3, the first four verses there. He says, in the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if one of them is disobedient to the word, that they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And let not your adornment be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. 
When you get up in the morning, where's your beauty come from? We talked about what we put on in the fruit of the Spirit and the new man, what we put on. This is the same, same idea. What are, what are women putting on that makes them beautiful? Christ. Yeah, Christ makes them beautiful. Christ makes everybody beautiful, really. But here he's saying, women, you don't have to worry about the outside. It's the inside that is, that is beautiful. The outside is going to fade away anyway. It's external. It's, it's going to go. The inside is what counts here. The inside of the woman. Proverbs 11.22 says, Without inner beauty, an outward beauty is as a ring of gold in a swine's snout. Sounds really good, doesn't it? A ring of gold in a swine's snout. Without inner beauty, the outer beauty doesn't mean a thing. And this world puts a lot of emphasis on outer beauty. A lot of emphasis. But like, like that video back there, you look at those children through the goggles of, of, a, of a godly parent, a godly mom, and you see the inner beauty of these, these children. You see the inner beauty of, of your husband. I see the inner beauty of my wife and my children. Because I'm looking at them through God goggles rather than my eyes. Because my eyes see the external. Sometimes I miss the internal. But when we look at what's really important... We see the internal rather than the external. And we see that place where we can actually have influence. Go over to 2 Timothy. And look at someone who is influenced heavily by some very godly women. You probably already know who I'm talking about, right? Because it's Timothy in the book of 2 Timothy. Chapter 1, 2 through 5. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. It's Timothy's grandmother and Timothy, Timothy's mother that had that influence over him that moved him to a faith that Paul sees in this young man. Timothy's genuine faith comes from his mother and his grandmother. Yeah. I can remember my grandmothers. Well, one is still alive. One has gone on to her eternal resting place, but I remember them well. I remember going to services with them. I remember their, their attitudes. I remember their love for my grandfather. I remember their love for me. What do you guys, what do you guys think when you think of your grandmother? You, would your grandmother be described like this? I'm reminded of your sincere faith that it was in your grandmother. I, my, my grandmother and my grandfather, I, every once in a while, people that know them will, will mention them. But my wife's grandparents and that they really get it's kind of like being a pseudo rock star when I go to places with her because her relatives are better known than my relatives sometimes and so when they hear who her relatives are they say oh yeah I know you and I kind of feel like oh yeah we're cool we're, we're in the we're in the cool crowd her 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 grandparents have this had that faith had this faith that people know about they, they helped they, they they were influential in, in the congregations they were in they preached they taught men and women of faith. And, and she has that legacy, that influence from them, which I'm writing the coattails of when I can. But it's just like Timothy here saying, 
or Paul saying to Timothy here, I, I know you come from this, this stock of faith that your grandmother had, that your mother hasn't, and that it is in you because they instilled it in you. They, they helped influence you. Now, ultimately, it's Timothy's faith. It's going to be Timothy's faith. And just like our children, we can't make them, as much as I want to sometimes, make them do what I want them to do. Neither could my parents make me do what, I, what they wanted me to do. But Timothy here is, is living a life that is showing the influence of his grandmother and his mother here. It came from them, and that legacy that they're leaving for Timothy is to be remembered. And Paul is saying, that's what needs to be remembered. Go over to chapter 3 of that same book there. Look at chapter 3, 14 through 15 here. He's telling Timothy to continue in the things you've learned and having been convinced of, knowing that from where you learned them, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith that is Jesus Christ. You continue in these things. That godly influence that was passed down from your grandmother and mother, you know that this is the truth. You know where where they were leading you, and you know where that leads you. This wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. That influence... But that influence also leads to a privilege that mothers have, I think. Mothers have a privilege here. I'm going to read you a story of a mother here. She says, when my children were young, I thought the very best thing I could do for them was give them myself. So I spared no pains to talk with them, to teach them, to be a loving mother to my children. I had to neglect my house many times. Has anybody put their children over their house Rather have a clean house than a children or well-mannered children. Sometimes, you know, I, I get in the, the mode of a clean house, proverb, you know, this proverbial clean house. I want, I want things nice and neat and tidy, and I neglect the weightier things. Here mom is saying, I'm, I'm giving up the not-so-weighty things for the weightier things for my children. I had no time to indulge myself in many things which I should have liked to do. So busy adorning my mind, their minds, excuse me, and cultivating their hearts' best affections, that I could not adorn their bodies in fine clothes, though I kept them in neat and comfortable clothes at all times. I have my reward now. My sons are ministers of the gospel, and my grown-up daughter is a lovely Christian woman. I have plenty of time to rest, plenty of time to keep my house in perfect order, plenty of time to indulge myself in many ways besides going about my master's business whenever he has need of me. I have a thousand beautiful memories of the children to comfort me. Now that they have gone out into the world, I have the sweet consciousness of having done all that I could do to make them ready for whatever work God calls them to do. I gave them the best I could myself. She poured herself into her children. I'm not so sure that I have poured myself like that completely into my children. I've been selfish at times and not poured myself into my children. And I don't know about you mothers out there. Perhaps you've been a little selfish too and not poured yourself into children. But see, the, the weightier things here are these, these, this influence, this privilege that we have over our kids or even our husbands. Like, like Peter was saying, you could win your husband by your behavior, your chaste behavior. By being who God called you to be, you could win your husband who's not a believer, who's disobedient to God's word. You can win him back by your behavior, by investing yourself into what Christ wants you to do, investing yourself into your children. And that leads us back to Proverbs 31. 
If you want to go over there, it's, I'm not going to read uh, the scriptures over again, but I want to make a couple points just on a couple of the verses there. Proverbs 31. Tom read for us this morning. And I know my wife has told me many times that sometimes this, this section of scripture makes her... I'm using her as an example again, which she hates. Sorry, dear. But... Um, She's told me several times that this this scripture makes her nervous because it is this woman who is extremely virtuous and she doesn't feel like she could live up to it. But she does. Because she's not perfect. But who is? Who is perfect? Jesus is perfect. He makes us perfect, but in our pitiful lives down here we're not perfect we make mistakes and you don't have to be perfect to be a good mother you don't have to be perfect to be a good wife you just have to have christ in you and to be constantly working towards what he called us to be look at verse 11 if you have it open there in proverbs 31 the heart of her husband trusts in her he'll have no lack of gain so this woman here is absolutely trustworthy and in verses 10 through 12, you really see a woman that has a worth that is completely unequaled. Amen. There's nothing that you can hold up against this woman here that says, this is more valuable than her. But why is she so valuable? Because she puts Christ first. Then you look at verses 13 through 19. A desired work there in verse 13. She works with that pleasure. She wants to do that. And this is an unmatched work. Her conviction here is that she's working, not just for herself, but for her family, for a bigger cause. And ultimately, who's she really working for? And who are we really working for? Christ. So when I look at that, and and my wife should look at this, and we think, man, I can't live up to that. No, I can't. And no, she can't. But through Christ, we can. She's orderly. She takes care of herself. She works late. All of these things. She's devoted. She gives up her own rest. Verses 20 through 25. You see the product of all the work that happened there in 13 through 19. This is the product. She gives her stuff to the poor. She's able to give things away. She's able to to make things for her household there in verse 21. She's all well known and respected there in verse 23. And she's also confident that she knows whatever comes, we're going to be okay. Down there in verse 25. Because she's smiling at the future. And we can smile at the future when we have Christ in us. Even though it's hard sometimes to smile at the future, we can still smile at the future because Jesus Christ is in us. And we know the ultimate goal of all of this. Verses 26 to the end of that chapter. Wisdom. You see a woman that is full of wisdom. She opens her mouth in wisdom. I've gone to my mother many times for wisdom. Some of the wisest people I know are women. Sorry, guys. They are. They're good. They're wisdom. They've got wisdom. In fact, sometimes I think they'd make better preachers than us. And they are. Sometimes better preachers than us. Verses 28 and 29. 
She's got the praise of everybody in her family. They recognize who she is. And that's part of what we do today in this country. We recognize mothers. We recognize who they are, what they do, and why they're here. And we take a day to say, thank you for being you. Thank you for putting up with us when we're jerks. Thank you for putting up with us when we don't do what we should do. Thank you for seeing the best in us, like God sees the best in us. Thank you for giving me an example of who I should be. And giving my daughters an example of who they should be. Giving my son an example of who he should marry. Thank you for being that person. Go back over to Second Timothy again really quickly. And again, I'm going to read the same one. Second Timothy 1. Help if I got there. 2 through 5 again. He says, To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and is now and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. When we think about mothers, when I think about mothers, I wonder what people will say about me years from now. What will they say about my faith and who have I inherited it from? What will they say about my mother and my, my grandmother? Mothers are a powerful influence on our lives. And today, we're going to stop. We're not having class tonight either because we're going to make sure that if you have Mother's Day plans that you're able to do those. As I know I've got them. We're meeting at our house. We're going to celebrate my mom, her mom. We're going to say thank you. My kids are going to tell Laurel Ann, thank you. I'm going to tell her thank you. We're going to stop and thank moms for being the people that they are called to be. Today, I want you to do that. I want you to think about your mother, your grandmother. I want you to think about your wife. Because when we ask ourselves what our mother's made of, it's not just the tender touch, the spoken word, the gentle caresses. It's her willingness to teach. It's her willingness to be persistent. It's her willingness to love. Over there in Proverbs 22, verse 6, it's her willingness to teach and, and stay in that. In fact, I'm going to go over there and read that really quick. Proverbs 22:16. if you want to go over there. 22:16. I'm not 16, I'm sorry, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There is an influence, a power that mothers have in their children's lives. We can see it in Timothy. You can probably see it in yourself. Maybe you see it in other people around you. The influence that moms, that grandmas have, that wives have. They're some of the most influential people in the world. So when we honor them today, let's not just honor them with chocolate or a dinner out and 
forget about them tomorrow. Let's honor them for the people that they are being in Christ. Let's remember that we're all in this struggle together. That we're all subject to one another because we're all subject to Christ. And that without Christ, none of this matters a hill of beans. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what you do without Jesus Christ in our lives. And that mothers that are, that are truly honoring God are those that look like Jesus more and more each day. That have accepted that, that word in their heart. That have, have given their heart to Christ. And that are struggling and failing and trying and, and working at being the people that God has called them to be. And maybe give them a little grace. A little grace that God has given all of us. For the mistakes that they make, for the times that they take off their goggles and they don't see the beauty in the children and they want to throttle those little things. Because I've been there. And I know my wife's been there. Because we're human beings. But with Christ, we can be so much better. Let's put our God goggles on today and look at, Jesus, look at our wives, our mothers, and each other, really, through the eyes of God, through the eyes of Christ. Celebrate them today. Celebrate them for the rest of their lives. Because they are fellow heirs, and we are all fellow children of God, striving to get to the same place. Let's just help each other out and honor each other on the way there. Do that today as we stand and as we sing.